0: This is the Command Your Brand podcast, where we talk to world changers, visionaries, and founders. People that are doing big things and changing this planet in a positive way. We're learning their stories, techniques, and exactly what you need to know so that you can do things in a big way. The time is now. Get ready to take command of your brand. What's up, everybody? Jeremy here. And guys, I'm very excited for our guest today because she is really the only one. She is the only person alive with aggressive stage four metatastic cancer for over 11 years. She was diagnosed in her 40s and her doctor had told her to get her fares in order. And, you know, she's still here. And because of that, she's helping other people to really confront, take a look at this and, and know a lot of the things they need to know. Vicki Zarkin, thank you so much for hanging out with me today.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: So I want to just find out first and foremost, you know, about the diagnosis, because after hearing that news and, and, you know, still being around as long as you have been, like, tell us about that. You know, what happened in that situation? How have you been able to approach that where you're still going?
1: Well, that's kind of a loaded question. It is, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. I was Uh-oh. trying
0: to think of a better way to word it. I don't, I don't know if it came off as eloquently as I'd hoped for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like approaching that, you know, I don't know how one approaches that exactly carefully, I suppose, you know, I don't know, you know, you just sort of take it one day at a time. I suppose when when I was diagnosed, I knew nothing about cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was literally gobsmacked when I got the news because, I mean, I thought, you know, what the heck? It's breast cancer. This right. is this is curable. I mean, I was like, okay, let's go. I mean, how are we going to, like, fix this? And so when I was told, go home and get your affairs in order... I was I mean like it's like the breath is knocked out of you. And then, you know, the Vicky that went into the room that day, I tell the story, she died. Wow. She died right then and there. And the Vicky that you're speaking to today, she's the one that took over.
0: So was and, it like a perspective change or what was the change in that uh, since you're two different people you're saying since then?
1: It was immediate. I mean because mm. when I got the news I mean, it was an immediate shift in personality. I felt it. The old Vicky died. She shed the skin, died because she was not strong enough to handle what was to come. Mm -hmm. And I came out and literally lunged across the room and grabbed the doctor by the neck. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I grabbed him by the neck and I pulled him in really, really close because he was like an autobot at the time just talking, which I'm sure was his own coping mechanism because they probably have to do that
0: so often on a daily basis. I can't imagine how you're able to continue to do that. Right.
1: Right. Right. So no disrespect for him at the time, Mm -hmm. but for me, I wasn't allowing that. I mean, Mm. I wasn't allowing him to get away with that, you know? So I like flew across the room, grabbed him by the shirt collar and pulled him in really close because he's saying to me, How he consulted all of these high-end doctors, I'm at Johns Hopkins, that you know, about my diagnosis, and there's nothing anybody can do for me. Well, I I find this unacceptable. And I say to him, You didn't consult me. Wow. You didn't consult me, and I am going to be the one. Hence my book. Mm. And then, and then I say. I don't care what you cut off me. I don't care what you stick in me. I am a mom, and I am going to make it. I mean, I was just furious, and you know, I went on for a little bit, but then I realized I had my hands on another person. Yeah, and probably not was, the
0: best position to be in. <laughs> right,
1: right, right, right. So I let go. I pulled back, and the room was like, you know, that deathly silence that you just could, a pin could drop type of the mm. silence. And, you know, it felt like it was going on forever, but it had just been seconds. Yeah. And, you know, my mother and my husband that had accompanied me to the room, they were like quietly crying. They were just in a trance. I mean, cause they were as gobsmacked as me. And of course they were just like, what the hell is she doing? You know? So it was quiet for a bit of time. And then he looked up and he looked at me for the first time. And I thought, of course, you know, he was going to call security, but he he, <laughs> he, d- he didn't. He said, how about we try chemotherapy? Mm. And he said, is that OK with you? <laughs> And I said, okay. now, you know, it was it was interesting because it was such a shift then in energy, uh, you know, because he was really taking a chance on me. I mean, I didn't know and understand anything at the time, but, you know, I was really riddled in cancer. I mean, Mm. riddled in it. I mean, it was through my neck, through my esophagus all through my chest, my memory glands, wrapped around my breast and nipple. I mean, it I had 30 lymph nodes in, infected. I oh mean my gosh, he had every right to tell me to go home and get my affairs in order. I think every doctor I would have gone to would have said that. So it was not unreasonable that he said what he said. So He was taking this chance on me, but I was also taking a chance on him, too. You know, it was kind Mm -hmm. of like that take a chance on each other sort of thing. But I knew I knew one thing that day that there was no way in hell anybody was going to raise my kids I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know about much about my diagnosis. I was in a real stupor that day, but mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't dying and I knew nobody was raising my kids.
0: So I guess from that perspective, then, like, you know, I guess, what did you do that was different than so many people that, you know, that you, you are the only one in this case? Because, you know, like no you
1: accepted. I absolutely I just blindly did not accept my fate.
0: Mm-hmm. There was. Do you think was, a lot of people no, don't that do insane. that? Do you think a lot of people do just accept it and not look at it that way?
1: Yes. I think that there's a lot of people just believe blindly what doctors are going to say. I had no belief in what he said from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's not that I didn't believe him as a professional. It's just that I knew deep down I could feel it in my bones. I was not dying. I knew it from the second it was out of his mouth. I had, and everybody else believed it, but I did not. Deep down, I knew I could feel it. I was not dying. And Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about anything, but I knew in my heart and soul that I was not going anywhere. And I just going to fight with my every core. And I knew I was going to raise those kids. And I just, I went into what I called my tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, like one of those Japanese old fashioned, kind, you know, warrior. And I went to battle in my, well, like head. a
0: samurai you're, you're saying.
1: Yeah. And look, I never even so much as did meditation or yoga. And all of a sudden, I was capable of such things that it just was incredible. I mean, when I started writing my book, I had never looked back, Mm -hmm. I had no clue of what I had actually done to heal myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that your mind is a very kind place. I think it doesn't reveal itself until it's ready. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, you know- Well, it's
0: interesting too, because if you look at it, right? Like, you know, the mind or the thought comes before everything, right? Like you want to move your hand, you know, your mind does something about it. Like, so I think in terms of like what you're saying, like having that strong mindset, that's going to be primary to like attacking anything, right? So I think in this case to have that first is important. So then for you- What did that plan of attack look like? Was it about nutrition? Was it about treatments? Like what things were were working for you?
1: You see, it didn't look like anything to me. It just Mm. like, that's the crazy thing. It never looked like anything. It was never a plan. It never was anything. I don't know how to explain it. It just was. Mm. Does does that make sense?
0: No, it makes sense because like, I I think.
1: like a part of me, like your arm. Mm -hmm. Or your appendage. It just, it just like became for me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
0: No, it makes sense because it brings out like that fighter, that beingness in you that's going to kind of get past that situation. Then I guess from that perspective you know, one of the biggest things that you learned is the idea of like following your own instincts. We kind of talked about this a bit before where you were saying like, hey, the doctor didn't ask me and and didn't really advocate for, you know, I needed to advocate for myself. So tell us a bit about that. Like, you know, what did you learn about following your instincts? I think that's vital.
1: Yeah, it is, you know, it is. And I so promote that today because I would not be alive today if I did not advocate for myself, if I did not follow my gut or follow my own instincts. And I learned so much that way, but it was, you know, the doctors, you know, he was giving me a certain treatment plan Mm -hmm. and I, I had others in mind and I went my own way in several times in several directions. And we butted heads a lot. And I went with my gut with what my, body was telling me that I was supposed to do. Mm. Uh, It was struggle, but I went with my own beliefs and what I felt in my gut was the right thing to do. And you know, let me tell you, it's scary to be on an Island by yourself, making a decision that is life threatening and life altering Mm-hmm. And knowing that these people have all the schooling and all the experience, and they are saying, Vicki, this is the way that you have to go. You're going to die if you go your way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can be very forceful.
0: Yeah. Well, we had a situation earlier this year like, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Like my dad's in his late 60s and he's got some stuff going on that would kind of like make him more susceptible than the average person and he had a really rough go of it and I looked at him like, okay, well his doctor's not helping him. We did all of our own research. We found out, "Hey, there's this antibody treatment you're not giving him. Can you do that?" And that yeah. ended up being the thing that helped him get better and afterwards the doctor goes wow you're really lucky your family advocated for you so Mm -hmm. i guess it's important to me it seems like it's important for i guess doctors to listen to their patients a little bit more and that's what i'm gathering from you as well how do we open up that conversation though like because at the same time we don't want to make each other wrong
1: right you just have to you just have to believe you know you know, one of the things that I ask of doctors is that they listen first, diagnose second. And that's what you asked of your doctor. Mm-hmm. And your doctor did that. He listened first. You know, most doctors quite honestly really will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Most doctors will. Only, there's only a very, very small percentage of doctors that will put their egos first. You know, and I have run into a couple of those, especially with women, you know, some men do not like that. Mm -hmm. So I've run into a couple of those and that's been a problem and had to find new doctors. Mm -hmm. But that's life. You run into obstacles in life it just so happens that my obstacles are life and death. Mm -hmm. But what you did was the right thing. You know, you just have to know how to stand your ground Mm -hmm. and believe in yourself. And you advocated for your dad. I mean that he's so lucky to have, we're
0: we're lucky to still have him, frankly.
1: Yeah. I mean, y'all need to do that. You know, see it's harder for women.
0: Mm-hmm. What I've
1: found when I've been doing coaching is that we as women growing up in, and living in patriarchal society, we are weaned and we are raised to believe that, you know, the white cults are the end all and to be all mm-hmm. and not to question authority. Mm-hmm it's a little different for you. You're not quite raised the same as women. I mean, I've
0: I would say those people haven't met my mother-in-law. Nobody is stopping her.
1: <laughs> that's lucky. You know, see, different women are raised differently mm-hmm. and it depends the environment that women are raised in. And mm-hmm. so you know, I hope that the medical society will educate women on how to follow their own instincts along the way because they are the ones that see women throughout their lives routinely. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you feel like that's improving based on your experience and kind of, you know, the conversations you've had?
1: Yes and no. I mean, like, not to be blunt, but to be blunt, I have counseled women that have died. Mm. I have given them advice and they didn't want to change the course of their treatment to get a second opinion because they did not want to hurt the doctor's feelings.
0: I don't know. I think (laughs) my life is a little bit more valuable than a doctor's feelings, I would think.
1: Yes, you look at it that way. But yeah, women are raised differently. And it is ingrained in them. And you would be surprised how many women I have coached that have not wanted to ruffle the doctor's feathers to change the course of treatment, even if it's going to save their life and they have gone on to die. Mm -hmm. It is heartbreaking for me. I don't think I can coach anymore. Yeah. I think it's too hard for me.
0: Well, I guess, Vicky, looking at that coaching perspective, then, you know, like you've learned a lot, you've experienced a lot, you've advocated for yourself. Mm-hmm. I guess, what would you say, like to somebody that's receiving a diagnosis, like what things do they need to know, you know, out of the gate other than advocating for themselves? Like, you know, insurance is a scary thing. Like, it's not always set yeah. up for us to get better. It's set up to make them money. Like, yeah. but what things do we, does someone need to know out of the gate?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be putting together a course. And believe it or not, you know, there is no courses out there for something like the questions that you're asking.
0: And that's absolutely mind-blowing, honestly, because it seems to me like it's like my mom had a stroke about 10 years ago and like we had to do a crash course. And like, how do you deal with insurance people? Like, how do you make sure you're in the right It's crazy to me that those things don't exist.
1: Is that weird? Because when I was Got the worst diagnosis probably anybody can get, right? I thought that that would be the worst thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but then I went on to find out it wasn't the worst, right? Oh what you was get the worst thing? Terminal <laughs> diagnosis, and then you find out <laughs> that that's not the worst thing. The worst was the aftermath, navigating everything. The worst was dealing with the doctors dealing with trying not to bankrupt myself and my family through the insurance companies and you know dealing with all the cancer and what you get from the symptoms of all the medications and fighting i fight everybody i'm still fighting today i fight it's like i get up in the morning and i run up a hill And then I go to sleep, and then I get up and I start all over again. It is so tiring being me. I am so tired. So tired. But it, but you know, I get up and I run every day anyway. Mm
0: hmm. What drives you to do that? Like what drives you to push through that tiredness? I hurt my back recently and I've been kind of just like being a little baby about it. And my, my wife's like, wow, I can't wait till you get a chance to talk to Vicky because like you need somebody to kind of like get you over that. Like, so I guess what drives you then Vicky?
1: Well, because A, there's still life. There's still, you know, buck up, stop whining. I'm alive, you mm-hmm. know? so get over the pain because otherwise then i might as well have died yeah you know either i want to live and then stop you know complaining and be grateful to be alive mm-hmm. and enjoy the people that are around me and you know just suck it up so i do you know i mean like do i want to live my days complaining or do i want to live my days enjoying my life yeah i mean What is life worth living?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Is your life worth living complaining about your pain or do you want to live your life? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm in pain every day. Yeah, I'm tired. But what am I alive for? Am I alive to complain every day? Then that's not a life worth living.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Then I might as well give up and die you know, and I made a promise to God. If I could raise my children, I would help women and I keep my word.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm on a mission.
0: <laughs> well, Vicki, this has been incredible. And I just really enjoyed <laughs> chatting with you because like, I don't usually say this lightly, but you're an incredible human being. I really can appreciate what you're doing and how you're helping. So for people that are listening to this, If they want to connect with you, I know you mentioned your book is coming out and they want to learn more about you and everything you're doing, where's going to be the best place for our listeners to go?
1: Well, I do have a website, iamtheone.com and it's still under construction. It seems to be under construction forever. So
0: well, I have it open up in you know, front of me and it looks like a beautiful site in my opinion.
1: Well, thank you. But I have one behind it that's ready to, to get out and it's going to have, you know, my book sales will be on it and it, it's, I have my movement and we're going to have, you know, signups and going to do all kinds of things, but it's just behind it to be unleashed. <laughs> it's just not quite... Quite there yet, but any day now it'll be. <laughs> so they tell me every day they tell me, but, and I will have, I'm going to do a contest for the movement and we're going to come up with some names. Everybody's going to be able to vote on a name for the movement so that, um, you know, we can get that up and running. Cause I want to take that global, you know, with my promise for God and so forth. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot of things going with the website so that'll be a really good active place to go and get all the information and i've been doing i'll be doing video blogs and all kinds of fun stuff on there once it gets up and going
0: (laughs) well once again that site is iamtheone.com vicky zarkin thank you so much for your time today
1: thanks for having me